0: Welcome to The Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart, God's gonna share something special to you through this message. I had a great time ministering to our Fayetteville brothers and sisters early this morning and they had an outreach in the Riverdale area yesterday and the 17 people gave their lives to Jesus, amen? Amen. Before we get into the message, I want to greet some of our usual people who watch us online because we have people who watch us online, across Metroline and Georgia. But I want to say hello to those in South Carolina, North Carolina, Ohio, Virginia, Michigan, Utah, Arizona, Texas, California. Any guys ready for some of our international family that watches all the time? Hello to Brazil and Kenya. We love you so much. Thank you for being a part of our faith family all over the world. Go with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. You can find my notes on the Faith Plus app as well as the YouVersion Bible app. You can find my notes on the Faith Plus app as well as the YouVersion Bible app. When we look at Psalm 27, it's a passage we've been in since New Year's Eve. We're in a series called The Extreme Goodness of God. And, of course, if you miss any of the series, it's available on our Faith Plus app, our YouTube channel, as well as our podcast. Of course, you can listen and stream for free and grow in your faith listening to these messages. You know, originally when I was, you know, studying for the series, I thought I'd be done with it by the end of January. Well, here is Resurrection Sunday in April, and we're now we're close to finishing it. And so I had a family here uh, mess with me and say, well, Pastor, it's okay. We could be in the series for the rest of the year, and we just might be. Because one of the things we understand is God is good. And if any Sunday we recognize that He is good and remember His goodness, it is Resurrection Sunday. So let's look at Psalm 27. We'll look at verse 13. And it says, I would have lost heart or I would have fainted unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord... Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, we said this word goodness, is, because Psalms is, of course, written in Hebrew. This word goodness in Hebrew means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. That's what that word goodness means. That word wait doesn't mean to wait and do nothing. That word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. The word wait means to eagerly expect and look for. Say expect and look for. So waiting in the Lord does not mean to sit down and do nothing. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is not an inaction. It is expectation. A lot of people like to use the phrase, I'm waiting on God. Well, if you're not in an active expectation for him to show up, you're not waiting on him. You might be doing something else, but you're not waiting on God. Now, we looked at another passage in this series that showed us the a- actually opposite of waiting. Go with me to Psalm 37 real quick. Psalm 37, verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Look at what it says here. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. "'Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, "'for they shall soon be cut down like the grass "'and wither as the green herb. "'Trust in the Lord and do good. "'Dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. "'Delight yourself also in the Lord, "'and he shall give you the desires of your heart. "'Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, "'and he shall bring it to pass. "'He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light "'and your justice as the noonday. "'Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. The word fret means to be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. The word fret means to be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. The process of fretting leads you to a state of worry, anxiety, and rage. So here's a question you have to ask yourself today. Are you waiting or are you fretting? Are you waiting or are you fretting? Because a lot of people say they're waiting on God, but if you actually did some internal investigation, you're not waiting on God in expectation, you're fretting. So a question to ask yourself, not your neighbor, not your cousin, you. Are you waiting or are you fretting? And this question is good for our everyday lives, but I think this question, in light of this question, is going to help us understand the disciples on Resurrection Sunday because we relate to them more than you think you do. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Look at verse 30. This is Jesus finishing the Last Supper and heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to where? Galilee. Galilee. So notice Jesus said, because Jesus has been telling them multiple times by now, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. They're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. He's told them exactly how it's going to happen. He says, it's going to be the chief priests and the rulers. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be handed to the Gentiles. I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, I'll rise again. By this point, he said it multiple times. And now he tells them, here's where I want you to meet me. Galilee. He says, I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee. Say Galilee. Say Galilee. Come on, one more time, say Galilee. Galilee. Now go with me, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Because do you know one of the things when you read the story of the resurrection, whether you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Do you know none of that was in Galilee? He said, I'll see you in Galilee. But where was everybody? Jerusalem. Now the thing is, to us who live in Georgia, we think, oh, maybe that was around the corner. No. Jerusalem in Judea was, if you do the normal Jewish route to get to Galilee, it's a four-day journey. If you took the route Jesus took, because he went through Samaria, it was one or two days. So it wasn't right around the corner. By some estimates, if you drive there today, it's still over 40 miles. Everybody stayed in Metro Jerusalem when Jesus said, I'll see you in Galilee. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Now, they're not going to the tomb expecting to see Jesus alive. Remember, they said, and the other one with them, well, who's going to roll away the stone? Why? So that we can anoint his body. We want to give him a proper burial. There's no expectation for Jesus to be raised. And remember, the tomb is still in metro Jerusalem. They're not in Galilee. They're still in Jerusalem. And so now they go there after the Sabbath, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became as dead men. But the angel of the Lord answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed is going before you into where? Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. So now the angel reminds them, look, he already told you this. Go tell everybody he's alive and go meet him in Galilee. Now, when you're reading this retelling in the other Gospels, it says the women were afraid. They were confused. You'd be too. And they didn't know what they were going to do. They were for fear. They said they weren't going to tell anybody. But while they're discussing this and thinking about this, Jesus appears in front of them and says, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, guess what? They did not go to Galilee. Look at John chapter 20, verse 18. The angel said it. Jesus said it multiple times. And everybody is still in Jerusalem. Even when you read about those on the road to Emmaus, don't think Emmaus is, you know, all the way back in Galilee. Emmaus is a few mi- about up to seven miles away from where they were. Everybody is still in metro Jerusalem. John chapter 20, verse 18 and 19. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, so still Resurrection Sunday, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews... So they had locked the door in Jerusalem. They locked themselves in Jerusalem because they were afraid. They were afraid that they would be next. So while they heard Mary Magdalene and the other women say that Jesus is alive, they didn't believe. By this point, when we look at the other gospels. By this point, Peter has seen Jesus, but they didn't believe him. And when the two from the Rhodomayas come rushing back in and says, look, Jesus really is alive. He's appeared to Peter. He's appeared to all the women. They still don't believe. And Jesus appears in the middle of them saying, Peace be with you. Jesus knows how to get in lock rooms. They are locking everybody up, and here comes Jesus saying, Shalom, we all, what's up? Because <laughs> we like to say, oh, peace is really deep. No, it's shalom. It is a greeting. He appears in the middle of them and says, what up? Let's look at what else would happen next. Let's look at Luke. Luke 24, 36 through 38. It says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now let this sink in, because we just read it today and say, Okay, this is what he said to them. But no, he knew every single person in that room. All of those in the room had already heard Jesus tell them, I'm coming back, meet me in Galilee. So when he appears in the middle of them, he says, Why are you afraid? Peter, John, James, Thaddeus. Why are you afraid, Mary? Why are you afraid, Joanna? He's going through the list. Why are you afraid, and why are you troubled? And I wonder if he goes, and why aren't y'all where I told y'all to be? Because eight days later, guess what? They are still in Jerusalem. Because they told Thomas, hey, guess what? Jesus really is alive. And Thomas said, you know what? I'm not going to believe unless I put my hand. Come on, imagine, because some of y'all like this. You don't just say it softly. You're saying it with some umph in it. I'm not going to believe unless I put my hands in his hands and my hands in his side. I ain't going to do none of that. You know Thomas wasn't quiet like that because you weren't quiet like that. Don't think Thomas is making quiet if he's saying it big and bold like that. And so eight days later, they're still in Jerusalem. The door's locked again. Jesus shows up. Hey, Thomas, come here, man. Can you imagine the look on Thomas's face? Put your hands in this hole. In my side. And Thomas doesn't do it, but he says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. All of you in here who believe, Jesus called you blessed because you believe and you haven't seen, like Thomas did. And Jesus told them all, Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Don't be faithless, but be filled with faith. Mark 16 summarizes that when he appeared to them, he got on to them because of their stubborn unbelief. There was nobody in expectation of the return. I would say the majority of them were fretting. There was nobody standing with a welcome back Jesus sign. Nobody was in Galilee saying, welcome back, Jesus. Everybody was locked in Jerusalem afraid. And we can't be too hard on them because some of us are locked in rooms of fear too. Because today's message is called, there's going to be another resurrection. There's another resurrection coming. 1 Thessalonians 1 says we are now waiting for the return of the Lord from heaven. Jesus is coming again. It tells us in the Bible that the last days began with the days of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached, these are are the last days. So we've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years. We live at the end of the last days. Jesus is coming again soon, but are you waiting on him or are you fretting? Are you locked in rooms of fear? or Are you in expectation of God? Because a lot of people, you can study the end times called eschatology, a lot of people study the end times, and now they're afraid. And they talk about the darkness. They talk about immorality. They talk about the destruction. They talk about all the bad things. And instead of being in expectation and faith, they're full of fear, worry, anxiety, and rage. Instead of waiting on him to return, the body of Christ is fretting because of the darkness. So many of the body of Christ are in Jerusalem when God has called them to be in Galilee. My question for you today is, are you in Galilee? Or have you locked yourself in Jerusalem? Have you done what God has called you to do? Are you actively pursuing what he's called you to do? Or have you locked yourself in a room of fear? Locked yourself in distress and depression. Locked yourself because of grief. Because remember, the women went to the tomb grieving. And some people never move forward because of what they've lost. Have you locked yourself in your past because of grief? Whether it's a loved one who's lost, a marriage that was lost, a job or career that was lost, something that was promised for you was taken from you. Have you locked yourself in your past because of grief? Have you locked yourself in Jerusalem because of fear? Have you locked yourself, like Peter did, in shame because you were doing well and then you messed up? Are you in Jerusalem when God has called you to be in Galilee? Are you doing what God has called you to do, or are you doing anything but because of fear and shame and grief and anger and loss? Because Jesus is coming again, and there will be another resurrection. But my question for you today is, are you in Jerusalem or are you in Galilee? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because what was interesting to me in the last couple weeks before Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, Jesus started talking to them, giving them a lot of parables, and you see it in Matthew and Luke, when you're saying, because they thought, popular belief at that time was that the kingdom of God would appear at any moment. And as Jesus got closer to Jerusalem, he began to tell them parables. And the meaning of the parable was, it's going to be a long time. And he told stories. A certain nobleman, a certain king, went on a long journey and delayed in returning. And in Luke chapter 19, he tells that story. And to sum it up, what he says in verse 13, he tells all his servants this phrase, Occupy until I return. It's translated in other translations, Do business till I get back. If you're really... Expecting the return of the Lord. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. It means you busy yourself doing what God has told you to do. It doesn't mean you lock yourself in a prayer closet out of fear. Oh, it's dark out there. Sure. But what about the light in you? First Thessalonians chapter 4. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Yes, when we lose someone, yes, we sorrow, but we don't sorrow the way the world sorrows. The world grieves without hope. We grieve with hope. That word hope is expectation. We grieve knowing we will see them again. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Anybody here believe that Jesus died and rose again? Even so, God will bring with them those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort, encourage, exhort one another with these words. There's another resurrection coming when God raises all those who have died, who believed in Jesus, raises them to new life. When he returns, that day is quickly approaching. But because you know that day gets closer every single day, that doesn't mean you do nothing. That doesn't mean you hide away. That doesn't mean you get obsessed with the darkness. That means you double down and focus on what God has told you to do. It doesn't mean you hide out in Jerusalem. But you get yourself to Galilee, the place of you fulfilling the plan of God for your life. You get out of the closet you've locked yourself in, the rooms of fear, the rooms of shame, the rooms of being deceived and staying in your past, the rooms of grief. You believe that Jesus is actually big enough to carry your guilt, your shame, deal with your fear and everything you've gone through, and you dare to look at your future with hope, with courage, and with expectation. Because Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. Whether he comes in our generation or another, we're supposed to live with the expectation that he can return at any moment. And that doesn't mean we hide out. That means we do what he's called us to do. Now, there's a lot of people who study eschatology and study the end times. And they say a lot of things have been accomplished and he can return at any moment. And I agree, a lot of things have been accomplished setting up for the return of the Lord, the imminent return of the Lord. But there's one thing I've seen in the scriptures that hasn't been done yet. The church has not done its job yet. The world will not end because of war. The world will not end because of earthquakes and famines. The end will not come because of the darkness. It says, when the word is preached all around the world for a witness, then the end shall come. If we're really waiting on God, that means we have to get busy. And it's not just the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Because a lot of times we want the preachers to be on the field and says, go preacher, go. It's time for the entire body of Christ to be on the field. Not standing in the grandstand saying, amen, preach. No, no, no. We all got a job to do. Whatever career, industry, community you you are in, God has called you for such a time as this. You are anointed for these times. Well, pastor, it's dark out there, but you're the light. Pastor, is corrupted, but you're the salt. There's a reason he calls you to politics at such a time as this. There's a reason he calls you to business and technology for such a time as this. There's a reason he calls you to be influencers at such a time as this. Jesus is returning. There's work that has to be done. There are billions who need to get saved. And it's time for us to do what God has called us to do. If we really believe Jesus is coming back, if we really believe there's going to be another resurrection, then we need to get busy. We need to do what he's called us to do. Because Jesus said in Luke 9, 18, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? So one of the things he's looking at the end times are people who would dare to use their faith. People who were dared to stand in faith, walk by faith, live by faith, use their faith to do supernatural things. We live in a generation that's been awed for decades by the special effects on the screen. People who've been awed by the wonders we see on TV, on our phones, on the movies. Do you really think the Holy Ghost will be outdone by Spielberg? Do you think Disney and Marvel and Star Wars have better special effects than the Holy Spirit of the living God? I dare to believe that he has miracles, signs, and wonders, and goodness reserved for this day that will cause everything we see on the screen to pale in comparison. I don't believe our best is behind us. I believe the best days of the church are here. I believe the greatest outpouring of God is here. I believe the greatest manifestations of the goodness of God, of the prosperity of God, of the provision of God is here. As the world shakes and trembles, it's time for the church to be stable. When the darkness increases out there, we don't get obsessed with the darkness and become PR for Satan. Oh, did you see what happened on the news? Oh, did you see what they did? Oh, I can't believe they're trying to pass that law. I can't believe that happened over there. No, no, no. We don't get obsessed with the darkness. We make a difference. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens your mortal body. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now if you are a believer. What are you doing with resurrection power? What are you doing with the anointing on the inside of you? What are you doing with the anointing that rests upon you? It's time for you to use what God has given you and make a difference. Save the lost. Snatch them from a devil's hell. Get them healed. Get them delivered. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is coming again. It's time for us to do what he's called us to do. It's time to get out of Jerusalem and go to Galilee. Go with me to Acts chapter 1 as I close this message. There's going to be another resurrection. Jesus is coming back again. You shouldn't be afraid of these times. You should be honored by them. Because God's picked you to live in them. He didn't pick Noah, he didn't pick Elijah, he didn't pick Deborah, he didn't pick Esther, he didn't pick David, he didn't pick Solomon, he didn't pick Peter, he didn't pick James, he didn't pick John, he didn't pick Paul. He picked you to be here at the end. He picked you to be the last leg of the race. Come on, when you run track, you put the strongest one at the end so they can make up for the lack of the previous. You are here at the end. You are here to close it out. You are here to get the job done. You're here to pick up the slack of previous generations because Jesus is coming back, and he's not coming back for a weak church. He's not coming back for a defeated church. He's not coming back for a church in hiding. He's coming back for the glorious church, a triumphant church, a church filled with resurrection power. Acts chapter one. Notice what Jesus says to them here. But you shall receive power. That's miraculous ability when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he spoke of these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Our eyes aren't supposed to be on the skies right now. Our eyes should be laser focused on our assignment. Our eyes need to be focused on what God has called us to do. That whatever the cost, we get the job done. Whatever the sacrifice, we get the job done. Whatever it takes, we get the job done. Because we believe He's coming back again. So there are things we must do, things we must change. It's worth innovating if it reaches more. It's worth innovating if it's successful, it's worth innovating if more people are coming into the kingdom of God. It's worth innovating if more people grow on the things of God. It's worth changing, it's worth pivoting if more people come into the kingdom and we get them involved into their purpose. So don't stare at the skies. The trumpet will sound one of these days, but don't stare at the skies. Put your eyes on the assignment. Don't get lost in the darkness be the light. Don't get lost in the corruption. Be the salt. Because if you dare to stand up for God and do what he's called you to do, he will give you influence upon influence. He'll give you favor upon favor, utterance upon utterance, and put you into rooms where you can cause things in that room to shift because of the wisdom of God on the inside of you. We're living in unique times. We're living in our time don't let the world set the times for you set your time by your faith I dare to believe God I dare to believe for miracles, signs and wonders, I dare to believe for goodness and prosperity, I dare to believe for our healings and miracles I dare to believe for God to show up and show out in such a way that the world stands in awe at our Jesus that's what time it is He's coming back again and their work has to be completed. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and it help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel. Download our Faith Plus app and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith and we know you'll receive an answer according to the word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles god bless